Tanner brought up something in Sunday school earlier that caught my attention. It's actually in relation to where we're going here in the scriptures here in just a moment. In considering and observing a growing and increasing lack of a lot of things interest attention care concern I could add a lot to that I'm talking people when I'm saying that seemingly having lightened their concern for their eternity. Paul actually talks about something of this nature multiple times in his writings. We studied Paul this morning. Good lesson. Used to be a criminal murderer but he met Jesus Christ one day if you were here you know what the lesson is about I'm not repeating the lesson changed his life afterwards he through his course of ministry which is all he did that was the remainder of his life through his course of ministry he made observations and he dealt with people and he begin to to see and to take into account that even though sometimes and at times a lot of times in the beginning part of their salvation that place in time that they met Jesus Christ and they were so fired up and so alive and so vibrant which was wonderful isn't it? Amen. I think I could probably talk to a number of people today and they might have forgotten that. How wonderful it was. But Paul's observations through his writings one can see that he would return and he would try to revive and reinvigorate the necessity to keep going. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of obstacles, regardless of whatever it is that hinders. And again, he said that multiple times over in his writings. We're going to touch on some of those today. We've been given more than we know, and that, that's me too. I'm in the same club. We've been given more than we can understand, more than we can begin to comprehend or fathom. I'm talking about given by God. And for whatever reason, and sometimes it is, it's issues of life, sometimes it is dire circumstances, but sometimes it's just kind of, we just kind of start slacking off. And we kind of start foregoing what we used to do. I'm talking in relation to the Lord. And we get more involved in other things. Or we just do nothing at all. 
and in between. Well, Paul, in his observations I've spoken of, he realized that. And his method for the Holy Spirit through him, using him, we're going to go to the third chapter of Philippians. Before we read back to what I was saying just for a moment, our surroundings today, our church surroundings, and I understand that things get repeated here and they're going to continue to get repeated because like Paul, it's way past time that this gets driven home. It gets driven into people. It gets to an un where they can get an understanding and a realization, first of all, is where we're at in this thing. What's my, what's my situation? What's my deal? Where do I fit into this? How, how, how am I appreciating my relationship with the Lord that's so wonderfully been given to me? Or where have I slacked off? Where have I lacked off? What, what, what has happened to me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Other interests sometimes interfere. I've heard it called losing the fire. Does it ring a bell? Losing the fire. Paul said something here in this third chapter. And I'm going to start with verse number one. And this is what he said. He said, finally, above all things, more important than anything else, let, don't let this get past you, folks. Call them brethren. wonder why. Because he's speaking to a church. He's writing to a church. He said this. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because Paul knew rejoicing was a fuel. Again, so rejoice. Worship. Praise. Adoration. And he, he's, he's, he's stirring here. Paul's always going around trying to stir people up. He'd return to churches or rewrite a, another letter to them, trying to stir them up, trying to encourage them. But he starts out right here, Rejoice in the Lord. There's many that have, even in our day and time, have lost either their ability, their desire, or their interest in truly rejoicing in the Lord because all their energy is spent somewhere else, doing something else, doing different, doing other than. And when it comes time to rejoicing in the Lord, they don't have any energy left. They don't have any strength left. There may be just very little bit they can possibly give them. And again, this, this type of thing is caused caused by multiple and much varied little intruders, obstacles, hindrances, or maybe just plain old whatever. I don't know what happened. I just woke up one day and I just didn't really have a lot of care or concern anymore. Maybe that may be the case. Whatever it is, Paul continues, and he said, after rejoicing the Lord, he says, To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe, it's a good thing. 
good thing to be addressed to the Lord. It's a good thing to be given understanding, is it not? Amen. That's what he's doing. Paul is you, you got to understand. Kind of what he's you got to understand. You got to get this. You, you got you got to get here. And he begins to lay something out. He says in verse 2, it's kind of a strange verse right after that because he said basically rejoice in the Lord. And then all of a sudden he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Dogs. Now, there's a reason he used that term. But I want to kind of break it down and remember those three things. Dogs, evil workers, and those workers of, of concision. What, what could be said here is anything that hinders or anything that becomes an obstacle to divert your attention off of the truth and off of God. Because that was, he was actually speaking in a big way of those in that day that were contentious and always causing issues and problems for the preaching of the gospel. But we cannot limit it at that. Because a lot of things that that hinder us and become obstacles other than just mere people that are in opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of those things that come along in life. Why Paul's saying this, at least a big part of why he's saying it, let's further read. Verse 3, 11. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Who are we? Basically, we are separated and we are those that worship God in the spirit. Amen. And we need to understand, first of all, we have been given the great opportunity to do that. We have a new life. We can worship God in the spirit because we've received Jesus Christ. Paul's talking to Christians here. This is who we are. Now I want to move down now. To verse 8. Now, he goes through here and he begins to express some things about his past and his history and, and such. And we've talked about those things before. But he says in... in uh, Verse 7, I want to back up to verse 7. Look what he says. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Everything I used to be, he was used to be. Everything I was, and anything else we could throw into the picture here, he said, that I counted lost for Christ. I exchanged that for Christ. I've got a new future. I've got a new life. I've got something awesome to look forward to. Amen. Not only exciting times in rejoicing in the Lord and praising Him and worshiping Him and being able to come to Him in prayer, but I've got something far into the future that is awaiting me. And he that's what He's trying to express here. So do we. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen. That's how Paul sees it. 
all that doesn't matter anymore. And he refers to it as excellency. Excellency. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung or rubbish, that I may win Christ. He attributes it to being trash. Refuse. Not worth holding on to. Not worth trying to return back into. Not, not allowing it to affect you. As it so often does. Sadly. And be found in him. Verse 9. Not having my own righteousness. Which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. We're saved by grace through faith, right? Amen. That not of ourselves. Why? Lest any man should boast. See, grace being the marvelous gift that it is does not lie alone and it doesn't just exist for a moment. That salvation, which Paul's talking to a people here in the church that have received salvation, they had that one-time experience of that great and wonderful meeting of Jesus Christ. But grace doesn't sit there alone and remain in their past. Grace travels with us. Amen. And if we allow it, being argument to this, but if we allow grace, it will grow. In power. Grace is a word of power. Grace is a word of strength. And that's the necessity that we have to be able to continue. But when, when we begin to falter in our, our, our knowledge of faith decreases or either something happens to it because I guarantee you when I got saved, I can, I can remember to this day, hey, that grace was very much alive and very much powerful. And it's like it had an energy that I couldn't contain and it was bouncing every direction out of me. Praise, is that happening to besides me? There's a reason for that. Grace goes with us. The power of grace goes with us. Now, you might say, well, so what, what's this got anything to do? I'm getting ready to show you right here. Verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead see where Paul's focus is catch that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead break that down knowing him that I might know him know biblically especially in the scripture knowing him is coupled directly to faith that I might have the knowledge of faith knowing him and that that's knowing him is something that, that we we've got to continually work on because let me tell you something things that we value so much we can suddenly find that they somehow they slipped away they're not what they used to be and because they're not what they used to be, it's like Jesus isn't what he used to be. Now, that may sound like a strange statement, but and I'm not talking about that he changes or weakens. I'm talking about something happens to him as far as we're concerned. 
and it causes people to begin to waver and lack and change and do other than what they used to do and not have the fire anymore not have the interest they used to maybe care maybe it's gone well, Paul in his attempt to refuel here or to stir up and to excite he mentioned something of his own earlier up above his own zeal passion passionate desire verse 12 he says now as though I had already attained that basically means arrived not as though I've arrived we haven't arrived either we're already perfect we're not perfect at least I'm not is anybody here perfect? What being said here is more than what meets the eye. I'll explain that in just a minute. I'll explain what he's talking about. Not as though I'd already attained either or already perfect. Paul is expressing that he himself is still in a trial or a test as he's living, as he's ministering the gospel. Paul is trying to express to this church that grace that he was saved by very well put this morning in the lesson that he was saved by that he began to walk in and his relationship with Jesus Christ filling his life he was expressing here the importance of maintaining that grace in one's life because in that grace is the, the ability or the power that we have to continue. Now Paul's, Paul's referring here, and this is lying underneath the, the top of the scriptures here below the surface. Paul's reference here is involving, again, treacherous territory that, that's a battleground with active fire going on, folks. Spiritually speaking. There's always enemy. There, there's always opposition. There's many, many obstacles. Anybody running any obstacles trying to walk this Christian life? Amen. Amen. Anybody ever been affected by hindrances? Uh -huh. Come on. Downright sheer cliffs that you can't get up, you can't go over, and then impossible situations? I've got to keep reemphasizing this. Because when things are extreme, we've got to go to the extremes. Jesus Christ is the extreme of our faith, right? Amen. Grace is the extreme by which we walk in, right? Amen. And over and over again, you will find, maybe not the, the exact terms, but you will find many passages of attempts to encourage believers and encourage churches and to keep them going and try to keep them thriving for the very obvious reason that if they don't thrive, then conditions are going to worsen. He said, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. 
I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something this morning. You can't apprehend Jesus till he apprehends you. Thank God I've been apprehended. You've been apprehended by Jesus. If so, then you've apprehended him. Now, he said, follow after. I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended Christ Jesus. Then he said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended yet, but this one thing I do. Listen. Forgetting those things, somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes I wonder and I quit. God lays these messages on me, and I, you know, I, I'm human. I'll kind of wonder in my mind. Well, I wonder if somebody really needs to hear this or this general. You know, it, it's not up to me anyway. I just, it's okay. I have a right to wonder and question. But God has a purpose and a plan. Listen to what this says. Forgetting those things which are behind. Come on. Come on. Forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things past in my life. Forgetting those things I've done. Forgetting those sins. Forgetting, 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 forgetting. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, I know and I realize I've ministered on this before and there's various ways that we minister in particular scriptures sometimes the next time may be something different not saying that the word changes because it doesn't but we get different inspirations and emphasizing things that God gives us to minister for given times and I believe that right here this morning this word is for somebody here this morning it might not be but one but if it's just for one praise God thank you Jesus and it might be for every one of us which I always receive it I don't know if you do or not I hope you do that's the way the Lord works. And where I want to get right here. Verse 14. I press toward. Mark. I press toward. I'm Paul there. What's Paul saying? I press toward. In the Lord. I said earlier, Paul fully realizes that his mission for God is a battlefield. It's full of everything you can imagine in the spiritual sense to prevent him from succeeding first in the ministry and especially to prevent him from getting where he's going, where he has hopes of going. Again, there's obstacles. There's all kinds of hindrances. There's, and life's that way. It simply is. Got to keep restressing this because life is taking people down. The issues of life, the circumstances of life, the things in life that, that cause people to lose interest in church and lose interest in the Lord and, and to forgo the relationship with folks, it's happening. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Don't sit here this morning thinking it isn't. It's too, it's too observable. And there's a reason it's happening. 
Paul is saying here, I press toward. What's that mean? I press toward. It's a specific term used here. And it's a very emphatic term that he's using. Press means beyond all means. I'm exerting everything I've got in me, every bit of my energy, every bit of my strength. I'm pressing. If there were not known obstacles and things to hinder, Paul wouldn't have used this word because pressing is a word that requires force and strength and energy and that only comes by the grace that God gave him. And he realizes that and he's trying to pump these people up and encourage them not to slack off, not to lack off, not to quit, to keep going. Because what he's looking for, the reward at the end of the way, is far above and more valuable than what we got to go through to get there. It's an exertion. Pressing is an exertion. It really means, get this, I press toward. This is what it really means. Now, we're not competitive. We're not trying to beat anybody else out of getting to heaven, right? We want more people to come to heaven. But Paul, in this expressive term, this is what he says right here. This is what he means. I'm going to do my dead level best with every bit of the ability I got in me to win and beat everybody else. Now, he doesn't mean it competitive like I'm going to win and everybody else is left out. But he's talking about is the strive in him. Amen. That he's not going to allow anything to keep him from being the winner. And this has nothing to do with following after, by the way, or following someone else. This has all to do with being first at the goal line. Well, what's that mean? What that means is that that's how every Christian living and breathing today needs to be pushing and pressing himself towards the Lord. Not following somebody else. Not following somebody else's religion. Not trying to grab somebody by the coattail. How do we obtain this, this kind of energy Paul himself had? How do we do that? I've thought a lot about this guy. You could put a ton of bricks in front of him and shut him down. Threw him in the lion's den. That didn't stop him. Beat him. Till they thought he was dead. That didn't stop him. He got up and kept going. Because he knew what was at the end of the way was worth more than anything. It's worth it all. And his, his term here... I press toward the mark. There's a mark. Uh -huh. He's pressing toward the same mark that we're supposed to be pressing towards. I'm out. And we we could consider this. Uh, you know, you've heard. I think somebody mentioned it here a while back, maybe in a lesson or something. Triathlon. You heard of triathlon. All these things that these athletic contests that that are very rigorous and very requiring. Hello. I know some of you guys have. I think we could call this a faith upon. Paul's in a faith upon. Sometimes 
if we are pressing, we got to climb mountains. We got to go through some valleys, deep ones. Sometimes we got to swim against the current, right? You ever had to run a long distance? Vigorously? You say this speaking of grace, and I thought of this earlier, I thought it would be neat to share it. There are some that say you get a dose of grace in the beginning, and then that's all you get, and then that, that's your supply. And this just come to me. If I could get somebody to line up out here at this easy mark and run down to the fire station, but you got to hold your breath all that way because that one breath is all you're going to get. To get, I'm going to tell you, you're going to fall about right out there. Yeah. Well, I relate that the big way to grace. When God gave us grace, it's a continuous supply. It's a continuous active energy. Grace is an active energy. It's the favor of God, but it's active. And maybe we don't realize it like we should, but that empowers us to keep going through whatever it is that is resisting us. Now that's our choice. Whether we keep going and we keep applying and we, whether we're tired or whether we're weary or whatever the reason is, to get to this place, this mark of the prize of the high calling, that really means upward calling. Upward calling. Paul talks about that. Corinthians. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Lord's going to return. And what's going to happen? See, Paul, his constant vision is heaven. His constant vision is on the place that he is so within himself, destined his soul to arrive at, as he said here in these terms, to arrive at and to accomplish and to enjoy. Even though he said, I hadn't got there yet and I haven't obtained it yet, but I know it's there and I'm going to fight through whatever i got to fight through to get to that place. Regardless what it is. I can't relate a lot about Paul's day other than what we find here in Scripture. But I know it had to be rigorous. I know it was treacherous. I know I know his very life was tried to, many times tried to snuff him out. And and we we probably have or do have opposition today, maybe other than Paul. But we have, a, we have a like battle. We have a, a same situation going on, trying to keep us and hinder us and, and cause us to give up, cause us to get discouraged, cause us to fall out, cause us to waver. Cause us to even think, well, I don't know if it's really worth that. I don't know if all this struggle is even really worth it or not. I'm telling you, it's, it's well worth it. Amen. It's beyond worth it. Finishing that scripture, I've already stated. Let's finish it, verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now let me relate something else to you. Right over just a little bit in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the word says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. For consider him that endured, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Come on. Lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Now here we go. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Endure. Persevere. Those are grueling sounding words because sometimes they are. Endurance. Perseverance. Making it through. Holding out. Pressing on. Because we have assurance that there's a better day coming. No more struggles. No more obstacles. No more hindrances. No more inflictions of whatever. No more devil. Amen. Oh, I thought for sure we'd get an applause. The one that's constantly messing. You realize what you got? mentioned last week it's what you guys worth fighting for and it's a fight I'm going to share one more section of scripture and we'll be closed down back over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 beginning verse 24 let's turn there I want you to read it with me 1 Corinthians 9 24 it is being written in proper English in the King James. I'm going to state it a little, be a little easier to understand. You there? Amen. Don't you know that they which run in a race all run? All run. But one receives the prize? Amen. Amen. So run. So run that you may obtain. This is Paul again. I told you he repeats this several times over in different ways. Run, so run that you obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. You heard this before. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, I know where I'm going, I'm not floundering around out here and, and flipping and flopping, I've got a focus and I've got a direction is what he's saying. I know where I'm headed. <coughs> so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So I fight. Not as a shadow boxer that's just slapping the air around, but I realize it's a real deal. Amen. There's a real enemy. 
Overcome. And sometimes I got to really fight. Yes, me, I've got to fight. By the power of God, I fight. Keep my body under and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, listen to this, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Interesting. It's about endurance and perseverance and life preparation. I realize this has been the, the emphasis, the attempted impact, and there's a reason. I can't, I can't explain all the reasons that we're given <clears throat> messages to preach here because I don't know about every one of you and what's going on in your life. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I know that God doesn't change. Amen. And I do know that His Word has effect wherever it goes if we allow it to. And I also observed that there are many, many, many people that are wavering and falling out. They're fainting in their minds. Multitudes daily. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. Listen to me. That influence is contagious. And it's sneaky. So run. Because you're going to win. Yeah. Give it all you got. We don't need to quit when it's just around the corner. Amen. When the finish line is within sight, why do we want to quit then? Amen. Keep running. Keep pressing. Amen. Through whatever gets in your way, just press. Keep pressing. Because on the other side, we have victory. Amen. In Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you stand and sing? asked me here a while back, are we going to hear the trumpet blow? You better. <coughs> we can look at that several ways. <clears throat> and I don't know exactly how God's got it set in order, you know, the hearing and the action and all this, but light's supposed to be a lot faster than the speed of sound, right? Amen. And how fast is Jesus coming? Twinkling of an eye, faster than the twinkling of an eye. However, it's arranged. If I hear the trumpet, or if I'm 186,000 miles per second zapped out of here, whoo, that's fast, isn't it? Amen. What's behind is not going to matter. Because our future is going to be forever. Praise God, that's awesome in itself. That's plenty of reason to keep fighting, keep pressing, keep going. And fighting together. 
looking arms. Two kinds of arms. Swords and arms linked together. Keep up the fight, it's all worth it. <laughs>